Folks, today is not about us. It is that time of week where it is all about you. We've got listener questions that are going to take us a little bit, a little bit everywhere. We're going to start off talking about the expectations for this season and why, yes, I know we're the Chicken Little podcast, but why there does need to be a tiny smidgen of realism in your expectations going into 22. Then we're going to talk about Jordan Travis, what he offers at the quarterback position. Then we're going to talk about the receiver core and if that's been revamped enough to really give Florida State an edge. Drizzy, let's dive in, dude. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right there, you've got Andre Silva, two Florida State alum, two passionate fans, and two guys who have been covering this team for over a year and a half now, bringing you Locked on Seminoles every single day. We appreciate y'all making us your first listen. Whether you're on the podcast, whether you're on YouTube, we love the support because y'all doing what you do lets us do what we love doing. If you're on YouTube, please like the video, smash the subscribe button, and turn on the alerts so you get notified every single day at 7 a.m. when that episode drops. And if you're on the podcast, well, thank you. We hope you're on your way to work and that you're going to have a wonderful day. Make sure you follow us. Leave us a five-star review on whatever your platform of choice is. And if there's something you want to be want to be talked about, English is hard. If there's something you want talked about on a future show, please leave a comment on this video and we will get to it. Or something like it. Our first question today comes from King Mac. For the folks in the fan base claiming that we will win 10 games in 22, it's not going to happen. It's another grinding rebuild year for the football program. Looking at the schedule between LSU, Clemson, it's brutal. He does all this stuff. And he actually had an earlier question that built on, that that built on, so I'm not going to read his whole breakdown of that. He then goes on in his earlier question to talk about the recruiting class tanking in the stretch headed to the final days of 2022. Today, as we're recording, yesterday as you're listening, was National Signing Day. It looks like, uh, Drake, where are we going to finish? About 20th in the country, I think? Is that where we're yeah, at? Yeah, it looks like we're about to be, if you don't count Transfer Portal, I think it's like about 19 or 18. Yeah, so these three classes, 22, 21, and 20, average about 20th, he says, Average in the transfers, we should be talented enough to be competitive. No more excuses about a lack of talent. For Norvell to turn for Norvell to turn to turn this around and get us back to elite, we're at least two or three years away from that possibility because you have to absolutely recruit on the elite level and land five stars. He goes on saying he hopes the transfers pay off, but what I wanted to get to is two things in that question that we can unpack. One, I want to calibrate expectations, not being chicken little, just where are we right now? What should we be expecting for next year? Not a win-loss record, but what kind of team are we going to see? And what do we need to do to get back to the kinds of teams we all expect? I, I, I want to call it a bit of myth-busting because I, I don't want to bury the lead. We're not going to be good again, I agree with him, until we recruit five-star kids. I think that we've gotten a lot of good kids in here. I think the transfer portal has proven to be fruitful. But there seems to be this idea in, this, in the fan base this 
or I don't know, I, I don't know, Drake, what, what do you think it is? I don't know if it's like willful ignorance, if we just ignore it, but on one hand, people say, oh yeah, we're going to win 10 games next year, or they, they want to get back to that, and they just ignore the fact that you haven't had a true five-star, and, and by true, I mean a unanimous composite five-star, commit to the school for five years. I mean, I think a lot of it is that we're, the fan base is not used to being this bad for this long, right? Like, even in the last decade, we were winning nine games, ten games, even eight games, too, and we've only had eight wins in the past two seasons. And now you see, like, I know UF has a higher class ranking with transfers added. Those of you that also remember that he's like also, being, he's also, like, yeah, by, like, by one kid, I think, I think he tweeted out, like, by one kid with, you know, one extra, but we have an average, higher average star rating. And that's also because he's actually going grabbing kids from ULL, as Mike didn't do that when he came here from Memphis. And then you have, my, you know, you have the Miami Hurricanes right now who, actually do have a higher composite ranking right now because they're getting higher ranked kids, but those are also were kids that were committed at Oregon for Cristobal. And I think these people are just not used to being this bad for so long. And for that, I'm saying is some of y'all need to be patient. Like, I know this team, this team, we want them to win 10 games. The standard is obviously the standard. But we're not going to be elite for a while. And quite frankly, in my personal opinion, we need to be competitive in our division first because our division is one of the harder ones in football because the QB play that you alluded to the other day and also how we discussed yesterday. So to me personally, you need to focus on winning and being competitive in your own conference before you actually even consider consider yourself being elite on a national level. Yeah, and I think the point I'm making is that your expectations need to align with what you're seeing. It's unreasonable to fabricate expectations out of whole cloth. I'm not saying I don't want us to win. I Trust me, I care just as much as all of you do about winning. I want to see national championships. I want to see... 11, 12, 13 win seasons. The point I'm making is I'm not going to build myself up and make myself think, and neither should you, that a team that's recruiting at a clip of 20th in the country or so is going to just magically flip a switch and become the team that you saw from 2012 to 2015. It's just not going to happen. Does that mean we want ourselves to be bad? No. But it means that our, our man here, King Mac has a very valid point. If you want to get back to elite status, it's got to start on the trail. And that's it. I mean, that's really the only, that's really the only point I have to that question. So King Mac, I appreciate you bringing it up. And, um, and hope, before we move on though, I do also want to make this point too. A lot of the transfers that we brought in are going to be here for two, maybe three years. And sure. also these transfers, we're not going to know their full extent of their impact here until two or three years from now. And transfer recruiting, I know a lot of people saying that we have 19 three-stars, a majority of those being the transfers. So I wouldn't hold too much weight in those rankings. rankings. Yeah, I don't, yeah I exactly. Don't, I don't, so don't, are, hold, yeah, don't hold too much weight into those heading into, you know, after National Science Day. I also want to make one more point about uh, U.S. class. They only have three early enrollees. We have 11. So our three-stars that are going to be on campus all spring – are going to go through the climb, are going to go through spring ball, are going to play in the spring game and be here all summer for player-led practices in the strength program leading up to camp, I would argue are probably going to have a much larger impact in the context of whatever impact true freshmen typically have than four stars that aren't getting on campus until summer. So, I, you know, I'll take 11 kids on campus over four. We've also seen the hit rate for kids that come in in a transfer class or a transitional class with Billy Napier. There is a reason all of those kids, and I'm not talking about the transfers. There's a reason that many kids are available on regular national signing day and didn't sign somewhere on early national signing day. We don't know what it is for each one of them, 
But history tells us that the hit rate is much, much lower. Hit rate meaning having a positive impact on your the team you originally enroll at the school for. Then people who sign with a coach who is not in a transitional period. So I don't put too much stake in that. Anyway, folks, if you're not patient and you have your belly grumbling right now and you want something to eat, go grab a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is delicious. It's nutritious and it is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar and 5 carbs. 130 calories. It's all you need pre-workout, post-workout, little snack at the office, breakfast if that's what you're into, maybe even a lunch because you forgot to pack one. You're thinking, hey, do something light now. That way I can have a big dinner when I get home. I'm not here to tell you how to, you know, configure your diet. I'm just here to tell you that Built Bar should be a part of it. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Yeah, and let me just clarify. I'm, I mean, I'm sure I've already gotten yelled at in the comments by this point in the video, but I'm not saying we're going to be horrible or this signing class is going to be a bust or anything like that. It's just like, again, don't complain about wanting to be elite. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, don't, don't yell at us because you're mad this team isn't going to win a national championship. Like, they're not recruiting at the level you need to recruit to win your conference regularly, to win a national championship, to make the playoffs, make BCS. Well, it's just not going to happen now. I'm sure you're going to look this up. Have there been teams that have done those things without having a top five class? Yes. I mean, what was Pitt's average recruiting class like for the last four years? And they still ended up winning the ACC. But they got the one thing I always say you need to win a championship, a generational quarterback talent. Now, is Kenny Pickett the best quarterback to ever come through the college ranks? No, not even the best to come through Pittsburgh because, you know, they had a lot of great guys back in the day, uh, like Dan Marino and others of that nature. But by Pitt Panther standards over the last 20 years, Kenny Pickett was a generational quarterback. I think Jordan Travis is great. I think A.J. Duffy could be really good. But until you see a quarterback with five stars next to his name, we won't get to that next level. But Drake, let's talk about who we do have on the team because we can't wave a magic wand and just like all of a sudden fill this team with the type of, I wish, right? With the type of stars we had in 2013. It doesn't mean we can't win eight, nine, 10 games this year. 10, I think is a huge, a pretty big stretch. With a bowl game, it's probably more doable. But this could be a pretty good football team and lay the foundation for recruiting that does get us to that elite level. And looking through the questions, I mean, it's always going to come down to the guy under center. I, we, I don't know which question I want to read. We have a dozen or so about Jordan Travis. Global Outdoor Innovations says, I'm not a big fan of JT. I'm not a big JT fan. I think the kid is soft. Interesting. Uh, but I will not deny there have been glimpses of quality from him. For the life of me, I can't understand why Mike has not only looked for a QB in the portal to back JT up, but to snag a QB who can compete for the starting job. Mike's job really hinges on this year, in my opinion, and if he doesn't do something quick, it may be the Dugan's extension, oh God, and the reliance on JT that be that become his undoing. On a side note, super happy for Marvin Jones. For me, the guy was the dom most dominant defender at FSU, but I've only been watching since the late 80s. Like always, go Knowles. Let's get this program back to where it needs to be. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, congrats to Marvin Jones. Uh, Jordan Travis soft. I, I don't, that's kind of. He's wrong, so whatever. It's an, it's an awful take. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, look, the, the thing about Jordan Travis is, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but he only weighs like 200 pounds, and the average, def- the cornerbacks on defenses these days weigh 200 pounds. Um, now, I'd go with crazy over soft because he does need to learn how to slide like a little better, maybe like more often, but yeah. He I mean, doesn't he's, need he's to do these superhero plays, man. Like, hey, listen, it's yeah. okay to slide. It's all good. Look what happened to Mike Vick when he didn't slide. That's exactly the same damn thing. Gosh. But anyway, but look, I, I, I want to get to the larger point of the question. I, I think that you ask about Mike Mike Norvell not going after quarterbacks. I don't think that's true. I think they looked. Uh, I think that we heard a lot of smoke about Max Johnson coming here. I don't think that was fake. I just don't think there was a fit. I don't think they were able to find someone that was either far enough ahead of Jordan that they would definitely beat him for the starting job or close to Jordan and willing to come into an open quarterback competition. Most quarterbacks that were way far ahead of Jordan Travis, right? So who in the, who in the portal would you say was way ahead of Travis, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, anyone else? Are there Max Johnson, ones? in my personal opinion is one of those, honestly, like, like far ahead enough that he would cl- yeah. definitely. Okay. I, I'm uh, not just, J- it's your opinion. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think JT Daniels of Georgia, I think is another I forgot one about too. JT. Okay, so you've got three. Oh. All right, so, yeah, so of those, uh, I would say that Max Johnson probably wasn't going to unquestionably start over Jordan or was told by the coaching staff that that wasn't the case and didn't want to risk it. Uh, JT Daniels agreed. Caleb Williams agreed. Caleb Williams has a stated goal to be the first overall draft pick that's it. That's like all he cares about. So he's going to USC to play for Lincoln Riley, who's produced two first overall picks or two Heisman winners. Were they both? First? And two first overall picks. Both. And two first overall picks. We weren't going to get him. JT Daniels, again, where'd he end up? He's still on the, he's still out there. He's still out there. Well, maybe, you know. Hey. Jackson, hey, but, Jackson Dart, too. It might have been another one, too, that came from USC that just committed Ole Miss. Yeah. So. I don't know if there was any connection there. And then the third one, Spencer Rattler, I don't think we really had. like That one actually is kind of bizarre to me. You know, him ending up at... Look, I think the Spencer Rattler thing, A, I don't know if there was a connection there. But I think going after him would have been a mistake, and here's why. Let's say he doesn't win the starting job. I think he's probably a lot better than Jordan. But let's say for some reason he doesn't win the starting job. You do not want Spencer Rattler the backup in your locker room for an entire season. That is like the worst thing you could inject into a program where you're trying to actively change the culture. So that that just wasn't an aligned fit. But yeah, and Norville also didn't go after anyone. I just I don't think that's the case. I just think they couldn't find the right one, and I wouldn't be shocked if they got someone in here at the end of the at the end of the spring. And not only that, you kind of also have to still play the game where, like, JT, in my per- I mean, this is where me and you disagree. I think he legitimately did come to Florida State to start. Uh, he really thought he had a legitimate chance to start over at James Blackman Hall. He was still here. But, like, to me, like, that's also, you have to be careful when you bring someone in from the transfer portal because you're already going to be telling Jordan Travis, who, from all reports, too, allegedly they asked him to, to switch positions, too, when we brought KZ in, and that was oh, could have been a nightmare. So when you bring someone in, like a Spencer Rattler, who, you know, from all accounts, is very, very talented. We don't know exactly what you're going to get with them in the locker room. But then you bring in Jackson Dart and Max Johnson, who has not been acclimated to the playbook. You have to also weigh your options with, if is this kid worth me bringing in that we can transfer somebody, uh, that JT will transfer out? Because then you would still be back at square one, maybe with a better QB. But why would you risk that? It's a, it's very difficult to handle. To me, I think you still go for that to be keep it competitive. But that's kind of where I stand on that one. 
Yeah, I think one thing we can both agree on, I don't think that Max Johnson was far and away better than Travis in the sense that he would have definitely started, no question. But I I am disappointed we didn't get him. I, I do think he would have been unquestionably a positive addition to the room, right? Good quarterback, left-handed thing, kind of weird, but we'll give him a pass on that. But when you get past Jordan Travis, he is head and shoulders above anyone you have backing up Jordan Travis. So even if he didn't win the job, would have been a massive improvement at the backup position. But it is what it is. I also want to talk about the Dugans extension, as uh, that was mentioned in his question, because I have not had a chance to address that. But first, I want to tell y'all, with the Super Bowl coming up, it's going to be important to make it as interesting as possible. And we all know. The best part of the Super Bowl is the prop bets, right? Like, what's the coin flip going to be? What's the What color Gatorade is getting dumped on the coach? How many times are they going to uh, run the ball, right? Like, how long is the national anthem going to last? These are all things that you can bet on at betonline.net. Betonline.net has all the props, all the odds, and all the lines that you could possibly want to make any sports season as interesting as possible. And it's not just the Super Bowl, right? It's NFL. NFL, sorry, NHL. Hopefully MLB shows up. You know, we'll see. They're still uh still working through some stuff, but I'm I'm confident they'll get there. And yeah, there's UFC going on like weekend after weekend. There's boxing. I'm I'm sure one of the Pauls is gonna fight some washed up football player at some point. So make sure y'all go to betonline.net, make your account, use promo code locked on, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. Throw in a hundred bucks, they'll give you 50 on your first deposit. Bet online. .net. So I'm going to talk about Ron Dugans, but I wanted to sit, I wanted to point out that it isn't all hate, right? And for JT in the comments, we got Bill Stockwell. If the receivers are upgraded, you may see JT really blossom. Marcus Lee, JT is the best QB in the conference by far. Numbers don't lie. Um, I don't really agree with like best by far, but I do think he's one of the better better quarterbacks in the conference. And frankly, the ACC does not have the best teams in the country, but QB play-wise, they're probably the second-best conference behind, like, the SEC. Mm, the Pac-12 has some pretty good quarterbacks, so maybe they're... But I they're, mean, the, they, on, the only problem is we play the Atlantic, and the Atlantic has all the good QB. The Coastal sucks. Coastal's yeah, awful. Yeah, I, I, I would I would put the the ACC Atlantic plus Tyler Van Dyke toe-to-toe against any other division in the country plus one from that conference's other division. Hands down. Top, top, top to bottom, right? Like, I don't think Sam Hartman is going to go light up like he's not lighting up scoreboards. He's not. He wouldn't go take a team to the national championship if he was anywhere but Wake. But when you talk about he's probably your fourth best quarterback, like that's a pretty good fourth best quarterback yeah. in the division. Typically, the fourth best quarterback in the division is like a. I I don't know because I usually don't. Who was the guy at Texas A and M this year who like actively made it so Jimbo couldn't make the playoffs? Zach Calzada. He's now at Auburn. Yeah, yeah, like a, like a guy like that. That's typically your fourth best in a division. And honestly, he might have even been the third best in that division. So we we have a tough division. I, I do think that JT – look, here's the thing. I, I'm going to get to Dugans in a second. You, you can't discount Jordan's legs. And and that's that's what we're so quick to leave out. I, I want to find a specific question, but, yeah, we got one like this, right? As long as we have an athlete playing quarterback that threw for 1,200 yards, doesn't matter what kind of receivers we have. We need a quarterback – just being honest. Well, again, I don't really understand this athlete thing. He's not the only one to say it. I, I do understand it, but I'm, I'm not going to get into all that right now. Um, 
I've never thought having your quarterback be a good athlete was a negative. That's usually talked about as a positive. And Jordan's not like it, it, when people talked about the, the move to receiver, I lambasted it last summer because I don't like, he's not a wide receiver. He's not that kind of athlete. Like he is a athletic quarterback. He threw for 1200 yards last year because this coaching staff couldn't figure out who they were going to start for four games, even though it should have been a blatantly obvious decision. And then he also, you know, missed time because he was hurt. Jordan's going to miss time. It's not an if it's a win. He gets hurt. It's, it's the reality of it. In fact, I, I think, you know, when you look at the season, you kind of have to take that into account. In fact, when I look at the season, I basically take my win prediction and I say like, but like subtract one because you're going to lose some game because he's going to get hurt. It's, it's just that simple. And it's unfortunate, but that was what you dealt with, with Michael Vick too, right? Like you knew he was going to get you to 10 wins and you're probably going to lose two or three games and you're probably going to lose two or three more because he was injured. Because he was so, out. And to right. me, that's kind of why everyone is so, I guess, frustrated and annoyed with the perceived lack of attempting to go after QB. Like, I mean, like you're saying, like part of it definitely could be that he, the options out there don't aren't worth the risk. But from what I've been hearing, too, is like basically they are very all in on Jordan Travis. I think now that they kind of understand that the team works really well with him. But like you said, it's not an if. It's a when he's going to miss these games yeah. because of injuries. So it's like we need someone back there Cable, and I'll be very, very upset personally if I see AJ Duffy out there in, res- in reserve backup duty because he's only 18. He's only he's super young. I don't want to have the same issue that happened with James Blackman throwing someone there way, way too soon. Like Jaden Daniels at Arizona State too. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Anyway, but I, I don't want to get derailed too much. I think his receivers were partially to blame last year. He didn't have a deep threat. Again, Andrew Parchment was not it. Unfortunately, Malik McLean wasn't where we wanted him to be or needed him to be. He's a true freshman. Hopefully, he's improved. Didn't have much across the middle. I mean, look, you had Keyshawn Helton and you had Ontario Wilson. They would both help you out in certain situations, and then they would inexplicably drop something or not be where they needed to be. They're good competitors, but you need a better receiving core, and I think we have that. I'm not going to sit here and act like the transfers are everything and the end all be all of making a team. But I think the wide receiver position is one that you legitimately upgraded. I think that you got probably three guys that are going to start for you next year, or at least see meaningful reps. You got two guys and Andrew and um, Micah Pittman and um, help me. Johnny, out here, Johnny Wilson, Winston, Wright, Johnny Jr. Wilson, the, Winston, Wright Jr. You got two guys in them that you're going to see significant improvements in the special teams game because of, right. You're going to see Micah Pittman probably returning kicks and you should see Winston Wright Jr. returning punts. So that's impactful. Oh, sorry. Opposite, right. Now, we have an issue. And that is that a coach who, uh, well, frankly, didn't get a single prep wide receiver this year and has shown absolutely no aptitude for improving wide receivers was retained by Mike Norvell. And not only was he retained, he was extended. I don't get it. I mean, I just, I understand that wide receivers coach is like a, it's not like something that's super easy to point to the on-field performance and say like that was because of the coach, right? Like linebackers, we can point to and say, look at them missing reads and look at them not filling gaps properly. We should blame the coach for that. 
Wide receiver isn't exactly like that, but a lot goes into wide receiver. It's not just running down the field and catching the ball. It's not a whole lot more than that, but it is more than that. Yeah. And none of our receivers show any ability to do the little things well. Route running's not crisp. They're not great at getting off of press coverage on the ball. They're really, really bad. One thing about these receivers, if you go watch, like just watch five minutes of any game and you'll see it. They are awful at diagnosing what to do with an option. They don't go to the right spots that they're supposed to be in. They're not good at finding soft spots in zone coverage. That's why you see so many balls go to the wrong spot. It's because the quarterback's like, oh, of course he'll go there. Nope, he runs the he runs the stop route instead of running the seven route. And it's like, that's coaching. And yet we uh, gave Ron Dugans an extension. So. I mean, I'm going to, well, not push back on that because I kind of, I'm, I'm with you there with Ron Dugans. You know, he shouldn't have gotten an extension, but also I'm in the camp that you have eight wins in two years and you still have the same exact staff since day one, aside from Chris Marv actually going to be D.C. at another school. So I think something had to change, and the fact that it hasn't leads me to believe that nothing that that's, I don't know, there's a lack of initiative from Norvell to kind of like, you know, address those issues. But then when it comes to, like, you know, wide receiver playing, not getting a wide receiver's coach in, if you look at some of the games where Jordan actually played against a top-tier defense, like a, like a Clemson, when he's had time, there actually are moments where you see the wide receivers are actually open. And one of the big things with Jordan he is not really great at throwing an out route. And also, you'll see like plays. There's a specific one in mind I'm thinking of in Clemson. I think it's the, in the third quarter where we're driving home with the score. We see Andrew Parchman wide open in the flat. And you, you just see and uh, Jordan just like, look, look, and then get happy feet and run away. So part of it is also it's, it's hard to bring in a wide receivers coach in here when your QB limits your offense in that sort of capacity for right now. Now, part of that also is that Jordan might not trust his wide receivers that we had last year. I mean, it's hard to trust a Keyshawn Heldon, a true freshman, Willie McClain, and Ontario Wilson. But it's also that it's something that definitely would came in the head for when, you know, we approached Jawan Sider twice because he denied us twice. So it's going to be I thought there should have been something to happen because you can't not land a high school high school wide receiver at all. And you can't even land a zero. backup plan at all, period. Zero. So that's someone that you to me, I would have promoted Yak, get Yak because he was originally a wide receiver coach first while he was over at Tennessee. And then also maybe go get our old boy, Coach Meatball, Carlos Lachlan, who was a running back coach at Western Kentucky and now is over there at Oregon crushing it. So that's kind of how I would have done it. Yeah, I just, I don't get how you couldn't find anyone better. I mean, it's not, the, the standard is zero. I mean, there, there, you can't be a worse person at that position than Ron Dugans. One of the highest paid wide receiver coaches in the country, making $450,000 a year, gets zero high school prospects to come in here. Your wide receivers were, I, I get your point about Travis. I, I genuinely, I, I, that's a valid point. But your example was Andrew Parchment. That guy had the drops. He's worse than any of the receivers that you named. I, I would never throw the ball to Parchment. Thank God 4th and 14 happened, but that was an outlier. That was the exception that proves the rule. You throw, to, you throw to him when you absolutely have to. And if I'm Jordan Travis, I trust my legs more than I trust Parchment to catch a ball hey, on maybe, a five-yard out. Maybe he, he, maybe he was surprised he got the ball thrown to. <laughs> well, that too. Maybe it just felt, you know, the, the gloves did all the work that time. But no, seriously, I, I just I I can't believe you couldn't find someone that at least, if nothing else maybe only charges you 250 to be your wide receivers coach, gives you the same production as him, and that lets you spend more money on your GM. We didn't really get to touch on that today, but we did hire a GM today. It's uh, the director of player personnel from Oregon State. He's been, I think, an analyst as well. I'm not sure if he ever held an on-the-field coaching role, but um, I, we're not going to talk about it on another episode. My reaction to that is, meh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I a, mean... It's a GM role. It's a brand-new role. We don't know what his job's going to be, and... Uh, you know, so I guess it was fine. I mean, hopefully it's one more step uh, for the current DPP to kind of hopefully be on his way out because he is not good at his job. We, we're running a little long here, and, you know, 
I bemoaned consistently and constantly before we did this show, Jimbo not getting rid of coaches when he should have, right? I thought that the minute he decided to let Charles Kelly be the defensive coordinator, eh, maybe that made sense to give him a test run. But the minute he gave him raises when our defense was clearly headed downhill, he had just decided he wasn't going to win another title in Tallahassee. And I'll take that to my grave with me. I believe that wholeheartedly with every ounce of my being. That was what made it clear that Jimbo quit well before the, the 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 stuff with the 2017 season. I don't think this is Norvell quitting. I, I think that this is Norvell prioritizing continuity in a time where I don't think he can afford to. I don't think he's going to get fired this year. I think you would have to have an absolute disastrous year, like a two or three win year to get fired. But I also think it's a year where you can really set yourself up to get fired in 2023. Yep. And I don't know if he's realizing that. I'm also not going to sit here and say a wide receivers coach is usually the make or break that wins you a national championship or loses you a national championship. I think for me, it's just, it's just the attitude that it shows him making zero staff changes other than staff that chose to leave for other jobs when he made all of his coaching decisions, right? Again, happy for Atkins. I think he's going to be good internal promotion quarterbacks coach. Heard good things about Tony Togars, but also an internal promotion. Linebackers coach. I will be the first one to sit here and tell you I don't believe in Randy Shannon, and that was an internal promotion, and that was supposed to be a 50-50 jump ball to land some highly touted linebackers. You got a transfer out of it, but you didn't get anyone from high school because of it because he's old as dirt. No one really remembers him doing anything that matters, and I think his connections in South Florida is just, not his, but just the whole connections to South Florida thing's a myth at this point because we're never seeing it. They never pay off for us. That was an internal promotion. And then you have an opportunity to make a change at this position, and you don't. You you extend Ron Dugans. You hire a GM that, like I said, meh, okay. You have a director of player personnel who people on the trail are actively telling you is not someone that should be working in the front office if you want to get the best recruits and that coaches don't want to come coach in a program where that guy has a lot of say in the players you're bringing in, why do you think we struggled so much with our GM? You have to work with certain people that people out there in this world don't want to work with. And he's making no changes. So I, I'm not going to tell the guy how to run his program. I'm just, gonna, I'm just pointing out that I think it's a bold move, Cotton, and we're going to see how it works out for him. Yeah, it's just the lack of urgency for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to... Basically, that's how I personally feel. So, folks, with all that being said, I mean, don't be surprised when, you know, reportedly Herman Edwards is going to be out of a job soon. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear Mike Norvell's name actually attached to that head coaching list. And if we're being quite honest here, I wouldn't be surprised if you hear that name kind of reverberate for a while. So get ready for that, folks. Huh. I had thought about that, but, hey, that's something to think about. Hey, leaving the folks on a positive note so, uh, you know, the sky's not falling. You're going to have a better team next year. And I genuinely think we're probably going – I don't want to say probably. I, I genuinely think we'll go bowling next year. I hope that we hit that 7-8 win mark. But do yourself a favor and don't spend the whole offseason thinking we're going to win 10 games. That is probably about as likely as us winning four, in my opinion. Uh, I think maybe you can get to nine with a bowl game. But I think eight is the bogey on this one, right? I think we're shooting for seven to eight. And if we spot. make a bowl game, 
that's I, I think a bowl game's a step forward. Seven or eight is a is a good season that we should be happy with, given who we have at the coaching on the coaching staff and who we have on this roster. And I also think it'll have to be complemented by a good recruiting class. You win eight games, you get the twentieth ranked recruiting class. Yikes. You win eight games and you get the sixth rate ranked recruiting class. That's a hell of a year, and we can be pretty excited going into 2023. I've talked enough. We're here every single day, folks. Make sure you like. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on the podcast. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody.